0: Isaiah chapter forty three, if you have your Bible. I was gonna head a different direction this morning. <clears throat> I planned all week to kind of to start in Revelation Um today and I just kinda I don't know, I didn't I wasn't feeling that kind of liberty. Um It actually started about Wednesday. I just kinda felt the Lord steer me a little bit different direction. I and I still feel like I'm gonna head to Revelation, but I'm not sure when. Um maybe next week. But anyway, um Isaiah chapter forty three. And I there are several places in Isaiah that I, we could have looked at almost the same identical text. But I saw a church sign um, Wednesday that had, it didn't have the scripture reference, but I knew pretty close to where it was at, and I came home and looked it up. But um, Isaiah chapter 43, verse number 19, simply says this, Behold, this is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? And some translation says, "Can you not perceive that, or will you not perceive that?" Um, I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So I saw I saw that on the church sign, and I, I I knew enough about Isaiah. I read through Isaiah several times, and um, and preached from different places in it. <clears throat> And, um, and I knew enough about that 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 was a prophecy that was directed very specifically to Israel at a very specific time in Israel's history. And the reference is to their, to their exile into Babylon and to their coming back out of Babylon. Um, it's, it's about Israel returning from that seven years of captivity in Babylon, and that's why God said, this is. I'm going to do a new thing. It's going to spring forth. You may not even understand or know what's going on at the time, but I'm going to make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So, um, the new thing that he was referring to, by the way, they had not even gone into captivity in Babylon yet. Isaiah was written before, long before the Babylonian captivity. Isaiah was written primarily to Israel. They had not even been carried away completely by the Assyrians yet. The Babylonian captivity came many, many, many years later. Um, They wasn't even a blip on the radar screen right now as far as being a threat to them. But the Lord's letting them know that if they continue on the course that they're on, they're going to wind up under his disciplined hand. They'll eventually wind up being overthrown by Babylon. But he... He gave them the promise that even though you're going to spend time in exile in Babylon, Babylon, I'm going to bring you back out. I'm going to do a new thing. It's going to come forth. You may not even perceive what's happening at the time, but it's going to come forth. I'm going to make a way in the wilderness and rivers in, in the desert. So that new thing is being compared to the old thing, which is their Egyptian exile. That's why it's a new thing. You don't have to, you don't, listen, I did this great thing for you when I brought you out of 430 years of bondage in Egypt, but I'm going to do a new thing for you when I bring you out of the bondage again of Babylon. So, before I go any further, let me just say this. It's, it's and I, this is my initial thought when I saw it on the church sign. I got a different thought now, and I'll share that with you in a minute. It's it's it's, it's dangerous for us to take very specific passages of Scripture that were directed to a specific people at a specific time that had a very specific fulfillment, um, it's dangerous uh, for us to interpret and apply prophecies and and promises in God's Word directly to ourselves that were made to somebody else at a different time for a very specific purpose. Um, Now, having said that, there's a broader interpretation of that that I think we can apply to our life. Um, um I, I think it's it's it it's probably safe to say we're not gonna be in Babylonian captivity. <laughs> um but and, and God may never bring us out of that exile like He brought them out of that exile. Um but there's a broader interpretation, a broader application that can be made from this passage of scripture that I do believe fits everyone, and I do believe it's what that church intended and, and what I do agree with. Um the broader application that applies to, to, to all of us at all times is simply this. God specializes in doing new things. God specializes in doing new things. Now, what, what do I mean by that? First of all, let me tell you what I don't mean. God ain't going to contradict His Word. He's never going to contradict His Word. The Bible makes it very clear. Y'all studied this the last couple of weeks in Sunday school that that his word is settled, it's not going to change. So when you talk about God doing a new thing, that don't have anything to do with God adding anything to his word, with God subtracting anything from his word, with God contradicting anything in his word. That's not a new thing God's going to do. Now I need to say that because there are some people that have taken passages of scripture like this and misinterpreted them to mean um, that you can't put God in the box of his word. And listen to me, God has put himself in the box of his word. He, he has, in fact, said, I have exalted my word above my name. In other words, if I've said it, it's going to happen. If I've declared it, if I've promised it, it's going to be true. So, so, so cross that out. When, I, when, I, when you say God specializes in new things, He don't have anything else to add to His word, and He's not going to take anything away from it, and He's never going to contradict it. So when we talk about God specializing in new things, this is what I mean is that God does not expect us to live our lives stuck in the past or the present or in future experiences. And, and, and you really have to say, you have to add that future in there. And we talk about the past and the present all the time. Uh, Israel didn't even know what was in their future. They, they could not even, except for God telling them, they couldn't foresee the Babylonian exile. If you look at the writings of Jeremiah who prophesied just before the Babylonian exile, it was very clear that Israel, they had prophets in, in, in Judah that were declaring, that's not going to happen. Um, Jeremiah's telling a lie. These other prophets, Micah's telling you a lie. That's not going to happen. And so it, Judah stayed in denial about the Babylonian captivity right up until Zedekiah, the king, was taken hostage or taken captive. They gouged his eyes out. Or they watched him kill off. They watched... They made him watch the execution of his sons. Then they gouged his eyes out. Um, He didn't believe the word of God concerning the Babylon exile. So this is way in the future. And God's telling them way before that happened that I'm going to do a new thing. You don't have to be stuck in the past. You don't have to look all the way back to the Egyptian exile to know that I'll do a new thing for you. You don't have to look at your present situation and think that you're stuck in this place for the rest of your life. And even what happens to you in the future, you don't have to live in that. You don't have to remain in that because God specializes in new things. Now, when I speak of God doing new things, let me give you a short list and you can add to this list and we're going to add to it a little bit more in the beginning. But in a broad sense, when I say God specializes in new things, I mean this, God specializes in new beginnings. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what your present is. It doesn't even matter what your future might hold. God specializes in bringing new things out of wherever you are, past, present, or future. When you talk about new beginnings, that immediately comes, brings to my mind that passage of Scripture that Jeremiah wrote in Lamentations. And understand, Jeremiah wrote Lamentations, seeing his nation fall apart. Lamentations is a hard book to read. It's not one that you want to read in devotional material because it almost makes you want to weep with him. That was why he was called the Weeping Prophet. Lamentation means to be weeping, but right in the heart of all of that weeping and lamentation, he said he said this about God: um, were, were it not for your mercies, we would be consumed. And then, but then he said this: Your mercies are new to us every morning, and great is your faithfulness. And so when you talk about God doing a new thing, I'm talking about God offering to us new beginnings from our past, from our present, or from our future, and that God extending to us new mercies. I need new mercies every day. I think if we'll be honest with ourselves, we all need new mercies every day. God was merciful to me yesterday, without a doubt, but I tell you, I need God to be merciful to me today. Because I promise you at some point in time, I'll fail him in some way today. I'll do something or say something or think something I shouldn't. Or I'll neglect to do something that he leads me to do. I need God's new mercies every day. So when we talk about God doing new things, we're talking about new beginnings. We're talking about new mercies. We're talking about new works. Listen, God's always doing something in the world. God's always starting something new in the world. Um, I am so thankful and grateful and blessed um, I Listen, I, I see a lot of churches that are really, really, really struggling right now Some of them on the verge of closing the doors And I can't tell you how grateful I am for the way that God is blessing us And, uh, and how it makes me also recognize that we could be in the same condition that they are And I don't know why God has been so good to us or why He has blessed us so But I love Him for it and I thank Him for it But I think back on the past There have been a lot of prayers prayed over this church for many, many years Some of you know Brother Everett Wilson used to pastor up at the Grace Church in Waycross, close to where Chris and Michelle... Listen, I went to Brother Everett Wilson, one of the most praying, godly men, he and his wife, that I ever met in my whole life. And I went to visit them one day in their sickness when they couldn't get out. And and Brother Everett showed me a map on his wall where he had drawn circles around the churches um, in our community and around this area concentric circles and he prayed over those churches and our church was drawn on that map and circled and he said I pray every day for God to expand your influence for him to expand your ministry and he shared about dreams and visions that he had that that people were going to come into the Zion Hill church from this corner and that corner and that corner and that corner and listen those prayers are coming to pass God has begun new things here God has done new works here God has established new ministries here he's allowing us to Engage ourselves in ministries um, that are impacting the world around us. So, God specializes in doing new things. And I don't think He's through with that. I think there's some more new things that He's going to do, some more new works that He's going to do in our midst. New opportunities. New opportunities. You might have failed yesterday. You might have failed in the past. You might fail tomorrow. But there's there's always a God who is ready to create for us a new opportunity in life. And I would just say to you what God was saying to Israel in Isaiah chapter 43 verse 19 is I mean there was prophecies of judgment. God was prophesying judgment over them. They were about to be punished for their transgressions against God. But this is what God promised them. I'm going to still do a new work. I'm going to still give you a new start. I'm going to still give you new mercies. I'm going to still, I'm going to do a work in you. Yeah, the temple's going to be demolished, but they're going to build a new temple. And the temple, and the glory of that temple, when Jesus steps into it, is going to exceed the glory of Solomon's temple. And I'm going to give you a new opportunity to be a new witness in this world that you live in. That's what God was promising Israel. Even before it came to pass, he was making them, That promise, even as they were walking away from God as he spoke, he said, I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going to do a new thing. You're in complete and full rebellion against me, but I'm going to do a new thing. You may not even perceive it when it's happening, but I'm going to make a way for you in the wilderness. I'm going to bring streams to you in the desert. Now I, th- I really believe that church sign and you pro- some of you probably have seen it that, but that church was acknowledging the fact that God is moving right now in our culture in a fresh new way. Now if you hadn't seen that it's because you hadn't been looking for it. I'm telling you God's doing some things right now um, this, this one church movement I've been meeting with these guys and we're on the same page uh, we're, we're, we, we believe that God is doing something, and in every one of these churches, God is moving in the midst of them and doing some special things. And, and we believe that what Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 21, is that when we become one, um, as, as Jesus is in the Father, that when the church becomes one in us, um, then the world's going to know that I've been sent. That's going to be the testimony. And so I believe God's doing a work in here in this whole one church movement that we're a part of. And I think the church in Waycross were the sign. They were looking around at our, at our culture right now and thinking, you know what? God's doing something. God's doing a new thing. I don't mind telling you, we met that Wednesday um, after the Asbury Revival started. And one of, the, one of the things that we acknowledged, in fact, we were at New Life Church, Brother Andy Pickock, and I'm like, you know, this time last week, while we were gathering together as pastors, we prayed for a revival, just like we always do when we gather together, just like we've been doing for 25 plus years. But as we were praying last Wednesday, God began to do a supernatural work at Asbury College. Why, now, I'm not saying God was specifically moving in response to our prayers, that group of pastors there, but they've been people praying for that across our country for decades for hundreds of years even, that God would do a new thing, that God would send a fresh wind of His Spirit blowing across our nation. And while we were praying, God was doing something there. And He's still doing something. It's spreading across our nation. Now, I get it. They had to go back to school at Asbury. I'm not being critical of those guys. In fact, I think if revival stays stuck in one place, it ain't real revival. If revival don't spread, it ain't revival. But it is spreading. It's continuing out. I've heard testimonies this week of people that went to the, to the Jesus Revolution movie in the theater and revival broke out in the theater. Um, during the credits were rolling, people wept. People stood on their hands and started singing hymns. People went to the front of the theater like it was an altar and began to pray and ask God to keep doing what he's doing. God's doing a new thing. God's doing a new thing. Now, I've, ever, I've always had this kind of a conflict in my own mind and spirit that the Bible says that before Jesus returns, there's going to be a great falling away. And I see that. It's all around us. But I've also had and heard all my life people say that before Jesus returns, that there's going to be a pouring out of his spirit that's going to result in a revival. And I've always thought, ain't no way both of those things could be true. But there is a way both of those things could be true. Because the Bible talks about Jesus separating First of all, the separation that occurs between the sheep and the goats, the saved and the lost, but then the whole separation that occurs between the wheat and the chaff, that's getting the junk out of our lives. And so God can be doing those things right now as we speak, those new things as there's a separation taking place um, between the true church and the false church. There's a separation taking place within the church in that we're laying aside things that we've been clinging to for years. That is a new work that God, that is a new thing that God is doing in the world right now. We may very well be in the days just ahead of the Lord's return. But what I'm convinced is that God is doing new things right now. By the way, that whole movie, The Jesus Revolution, I hadn't gone to see the movie. Carl was telling me about him and Maxine went, and I'm sure some of you have gone to see it. But I did a little bit of research on it just to see what it was all about. I was born in 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 '66, so this was happening in my in my youth when I wasn't real aware of it, and, and you know the media didn't have um, news, didn't get out as fast as back then as it as it does now, and we didn't know. We knew what was going on in our hometown. We knew what was going on in Jacksonville. Cause we got her and turned the antenna with her hand till we could pick up the Jacksonville station. But if it was going on in California, we may not hear about it for a month. So, so here's the Jesus revolution it came on the heels of the sexual revolution. In fact, it came in the heart of the sexual revolution. Um, while while the country was was and the culture was running after this free love stuff, this um, this anything goes sexuality. God began to stir in the heart of His church and in the heart of His people. Um, uh, and, 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 and you know the story in the Jesus revolution that pastor in California started welcoming the hippies the ones that were caught up into drugs the ones that were caught up into sexual liberty started inviting them into his church and began a ministry to them and many of them began to be converted and they found the, hist- they th- they found the, um, the person of Jesus to be something that they could gravitate to and cling to and I know, I, listen I get it um, there were some, there's some flawed characters in some of that stuff but God did a new thing God did a new thing in the middle of a sexual revolution. God did a new thing. How many of you know that we're in the middle of another sexual revolution? We're crossing all the boundaries again. And it would be just like God in the middle of this time when Satan is so hard at work to bring confusion and division uh, into the hearts, especially of our young people. Because I'm telling you, our kids are facing something in the school system today that I never had to face and that you never had to face. They've got things in their hands and access to materials that I didn't have when I was their age. They're in a real battle. Wouldn't it be just like God when Satan upped the ante? God said, I'm about to do a new thing. I'm about to do a new thing. And even in the middle of that satanic attack on our culture, God's stirring in the hearts of people a revival. I heard the testimonies of those kids at Asbury who were, who, were, who were confessing that they were addicted to pornography and laying it on the altar, who were confessing that they had been involved in lifestyles that were, um, that were, out, of the, that were out of God's designed order. They were confessing and repenting of those things. And listen to me. God is doing a new thing in the middle of this perverted culture we live in. God is raising up a generation of young people to bear his standard in the middle of it. God does new things. God can and will do new things for us too. Individually and as a church. You don't have to live in your past. You don't have to be stuck there. You don't have to be stuck where you are right now. And, and you, if you're dissatisfied with your life, if you know that things are not where they need to be with God, if you're not feeling nothing, if you're not doing anything, if you're if you're drowning in your sin, if you're if you're being weighted down by things, he, listen. God can do a new thing in your life individually and deliver you from your present circumstance. I don't know what lies ahead for us. I'm glad I don't know what lies ahead because some of it would probably terrify me. Um, but listen, God knows what's in my future, and this is what I know: the God of my past is the. God of my present and the God of my future and he is always capable of doing a new thing you can't count him out you can't disqualify him you can't say that God is finished because God will always be there with his people and for his people he is never going to abandon his people he's not abandoned Israel They've been broken off, but the Bible makes it very clear that God's still got a plan for Israel. It's going to happen. We're going to read about it soon in the book of Revelation that that, that even though they have rejected Christ and are still walking in rebellion, there's going to come a time, according to Romans chapter 11, that all of Israel is going to be saved. God's going to do a new thing, and they're going to come to Christ. So listen to me. Individually, corporately, God does not give up on His people. He doesn't give up on Israel. He's not giving up on the church. There's always going to be a God who is doing new things. Right here, right now, this morning, I will tell you, God can do a new thing in your life, in your family, in your marriage, in this church. He can give you a new beginning. He can give you new mercies. He can do a new work in you. Um, he can give you new opportunities that you never knew existed. That is the God that we serve he is a God who specializes in new things. Now, I'm going to walk you through these real fast. I know this is more topical. I'm going to give you some scriptures to go along with this. But I, 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 when I got to thinking about God doing new things, my mind just immediately began to run into that word new and the many times that it's used in the Bible. And, and I want to run you through five things real fast that God specializes in doing. God specializes in making new creations, brand new creations. Now, you got to understand, when I say creator, when you, when you think about our creator, when you think, and I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a literalist when it comes to the book of Genesis. I believe God spoke something out of nothing. Now, you can call it Big Bang if you want to. But I believe God spoke something out of nothing. He brought what was chaos by the word of his mouth into perfect order. He, he brought what the Bible says was darkness was over the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And it wasn't the sun, nor the moon, nor the stars. They were created later. The first thing God did was looked into the darkness and chaos of this, of this world and said, um, let there be light and there was light. It don't matter how dark it gets when God says that there will be light, there will be light. When there's death and God says let there be life, there will be life. God specializes in new creation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new new. Now I'm going to tell you something. I know that very well in my life. I remember when it happened for me. I remember when God made for me all things new. I remember when I became a new creature in Christ Jesus. And I'm still being made a new creature. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 24 uh, says that we're to put on the new man um, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. God both immediately made me a new creature and God every day of my life is continuing to Make me a new creature. He's continuing to speak into my heart and speak into my life and change me uh, from the inside out. God makes new creatures. Doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't even matter where you're going, God can do something new for you. Now, I believe when we come to Christ, every part of our life is, be, is, is made new. Um, our life begins to come into order. Our, our, our life begins to have the light of God, I, the, the life of God living in us and living through us. Everything changes then. I, you know, I went from one day not having any morals, not having any values, not really. I mean, I could have told you that I believed certain things, but I certainly wasn't living by them. I'm telling you, I was a filthy, rotten, wretched sinner, I feel like the apostle Paul the chiefest among sinners and I know a lot of people, my dad and mom didn't even know a lot of the things that I had bogged my life down in but the day that he made me a new creature I had a different standard Um, new morals new values, a new purpose in a moment of time my marriage changed, it's still changing in a moment of time, the way that I parented my children changed. He gave me a, a he, he did something in me um, that made me brand new all the way around. Even the friendships that I had had, I'd been so close to so many people for so many years that were doing the same things um, that I was doing that I would separate myself from the people of God because they made me uncomfortable. But my friendships began to make a complete shift. It's not that I hated my old friends, it's I didn't have anything in common with them because he'd made me a new creature. God specializes in new creations. He specializes in new hearts. That's part of how He makes us a new creation. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 says, A new heart also will I give you, a new spirit will I put within you, I will put my spirit within you, verse 27 says, and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Romans chapter 6 verse 4 um, tells us that a new heart, that what, that what God does for us when we're born again, when he makes us a new creature, he puts himself in us. He puts his spirit in us and gives us a new heart so that we will walk in a newness of life. You don't have to keep walking like you walk you don't have to keep living like you're living. Um, I said this last week at Brother Ray's church and somebody came up to me afterwards and said I never heard it like that but that's exactly what happened in my life. It's what happens in all of our lives when you come to Christ. When He makes you a new creature and gives you a new heart you got a new will and a new want to. Let me I can't tell you the number of times in my life and in my marriage where I tried to quit drinking I, quite, I tried to quit doing this I tried to quit doing that and I could be successful for a season and there may be some people that 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 is successful, you may be able to lay it down and walk away from it without ever knowing Christ is your Savior. I'm telling you, I couldn't. I knew that I had to have some help. I knew that I needed Jesus. By the way, just because you don't drink, smoke, or cuss don't mean you're going to heaven. <laughs> you need it. You got to be a new creature and have a new heart. But this is what changed. Before when I was trying to quit doing all those things, it was, I got to do this or my wife's going to leave me. I got to do this. Um, because I don't feel good when I get up in the mornings. I got to do this. But, you know, I figured out all the reasons, but when I when he made me a new creature, when he gave me a new heart, he gave me a new want to. And he took away some of those old want to's. And it was just I got, I was just sick of that life. I was sick of those things because he put his spirit in me and that made all the difference in the world. If you're loaded down with shame and guilt, you don't have to be. He gives you a new heart and you can walk in forgiveness and peace. You don't have to live in bondage. He can give you a new heart and give you freedom from sin. That's what all of Romans chapter 6 is about. You do not have to live under the dominion of sin. You can be from broken to wholeness. Saved to the uttermost. God specializes in new creations. He specializes in new hearts. Do you have a new heart? Do you want a new heart? God gave me a new heart. God will give you a new heart. God specializes in doing new things. He'll take up residence in you. I know that's hard for us to wrap our mind around, but God will live in you. Not just on the outside. Not just speaking through His Word. Not just speaking through others. God will live in you. He'll put His Spirit in you and cause you to want to walk in His ways. Listen, I remember them days before I came to Christ. I, I, this is the back of my mind. I can't do that. I can't live that way. I've lived this way too long. I've had these habits too long. I've been under this bondage too long. I felt this guilt, that shame for too long. I can't. Even if I wanted to be a Christian, I couldn't. And I still can't, not by myself. Without Him, I could do nothing. Without Him, I'd surely fail. That's who I am. I know who I am without Jesus. I can't do any of those things. But with Him, all things are possible. With Him, I can have a new life. Real quickly, God specializes. And these first three are especially all related to each other. I'm just, I just was thinking about what the Scripture said. He gives us a new name. He gives us a new name. Now, there's, you can, we can speculate a whole bunch about this, but I'm going to try not to speculate too much. When I married Cindy, I gave her a new name. Now, her daddy would probably say that wasn't an improvement. Her name went from Connor to Lloyd. <clears throat> when, when, when I surrendered my life to Christ, when you surrender your life to Christ, He gives you a new name. He calls us His bride. The church is His bride. And I know that don't sit well with us sometimes as men. But the Bible says that the church is the bride of Christ. He's married Himself to us. And when He does that, we're no longer sinners, we're saints. Now I get it, we sin, but we're not a sinner. The Bible calls us saints, precious stones. I mean, you look through, you look through the Word of God and it says that we are, we are beloved sons, that we used to be children of wrath, but now we're children of God. He's changed our names. He's changed our identity. When you get a new name, you get a new identity. He's given us a new identity in Christ, we went from, listen, I went from being addicted to being adopted. He gave me a new name. Acts chapter 11, verse 36 says, The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. I'm a, I'm a, you know what Christian means? It means little Christ. You know what every person in this room this morning who has come to Christ as their personal Savior is? You're a little Christ. Now, that was meant to be a derogatory term. But every man that has been made new in the Lord Jesus Christ as, and has been given a new heart, we are his witnesses in the world. We are a little Jesus to the world. Imperfect and as we may be, we can call ourselves Christians because we follow the Christ. Now, there's a, By the way, a little Christ is much improved over a little devil, and I've been both, all right? But there's a passage in Revelation chapter 3, verse 12. We'll look at it in more detail when we study these letters to the churches. But he said, I'm going to write upon him my new name. There's a lot of new in that verse. I'm going to make him a pillar in the temple of my God. I'm going I'm to put the name of my God on him. I'm going to put the name of my city on him, New Jerusalem. And I'm going to write upon him my new name. Now, I don't know what all that involves. I don't know what all that involves. I don't even know everything that means. But whatever that means... Is better than anything that I've ever been known by. Him that overcometh, I'm going to give him my new name. I don't care what anybody at any time in any part of my history has called me. When he calls me my, my new name, that's the name that sticks forever. That's a new name. That's a new identity. This is one of my favorites. God specializes in new songs. <clears throat> my testimony scripture, the one that I always use, I said it in praying a few weeks ago, Psalm chapter 40. I waited patiently for the, for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my prayer. Um, he lifted me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock. And then verse 3 says, and he put a new song in my mouth. And that song is praise to our God. Now, this has always been interesting to me. Many shall see it. Now, you think about it, if you're singing a song, you would think that would say, many will hear it. Now, people don't always hear what we say, but they always see what we do. And the new song that we sing comes from our heart, and it changes our life. That song is a song of praise unto our God. I remember the, the week after I, got, I, I was born again in 1993, I had a week on the mail route um, as a part-time rule carrier where I was by myself. Son, you talking about having some church that first week? I tuned that radio on to some new songs, listened to some preaching Um, I mean God was doing a work in my heart that first week I was eating it up man I was like a sponge I'm sure them folks thought I was crazy because I'd pull up to the mailbox and be shouting and crying and everything else it was a new thing that God was doing in my life and it was absolutely radically different than anything that I had ever been before and I just could not get over it and then I had to go back to the city of St. Mary's where all my drunk drug addicted buddies were at that I'd run around with for so long and when I stepped up to the time clock that morning, the first guy that spoke to me said, what happened to you? I ain't said nothing. They didn't know anything. I hadn't called anybody. But he looked at me and said, what happened to you? I said, son, I've been blood washed, born again. <laughs> I am made. I am a child of the King, and my life will never be the same. He puts a new song, a song of praise, a song of testimony. People will see it. People will hear it. Your life song will sing about Jesus. Now, I sang about a bunch of stuff. My life sang a bunch of stuff that I'm not proud of. But the day he made me a new creature, the day he gave me a new heart, the day he put his name on me, he gave me a new song that has made a difference in the lives of those who have heard me sing it. Not all of them, but but some of them. I don't know that all of them had not been. They've even been drawn close or pushed away, but the word of God doesn't ever return Void. Revelation fourteen three says the saints that were redeemed from the earth sang as it were a new song before the throne and all of heaven worshipped with them. Now I I, I, I got to finish, but li- listen, have you ever thought about this? I told Christi and them and I, they they've done it again this morning and I I love the old hymns. Sometimes I wonder if the new songs are going to last as long as the old songs. Some of these hymns are three hundred years old and we are still singing them. And new songs don't seem to have lifespan; they die out more quickly, but. Have you ever thought about this? Throughout all of history, there have been song after song after song after song that have been written and sung. Will, will, will we ever finish writing songs? No. God's going to keep putting a new song in, in our mouth, a new song in our life. I don't think that we will ever write the final song because God is a God of new things. And every time God does something new in our life, we'll have something new to sing about. And somebody will write a song, and it'll move us, and it'll minister to us. We'll always have a new song to sing. And here's the last thing. He's going to give us a new home. best way I know to tell you this is if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're on your way to hell. Hell is your default destination. You don't have to do anything to get there. You were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. And we are by nature children of wrath. That's what the Bible says. We are on our way to hell from the day that we're born. That's default destination. That's default. You do nothing, that's where you go. You don't have to be as bad as I was to get there. But Jesus can change that. He can give you a new final destiny I love Revelation I could go a lot of different places in the Bible to prove this but I, I love Revelation chapter 21 and I love how it starts because after our awful season of tribulation but, but, but it tells us in the first verse about a new heaven and a new earth because the first ones were passed away and then in, in verse 4 he says that God's going to wipe away all the tears from our eyes and there's going to be no more death No more sorrow, nor crying, nor pain. That sounds good, don't it? Because the former things, the old things, and the things that have been, they're gone. And the fifth verse says, I make all things new. I make all things new. And you can write that down. Because that's true and faithful. That's going to be our new home. A new heaven, a new earth with none of those former things because He, the God who specializes in new things, will make all things new. Now, if you need or want any or all of those things, and I don't think, listen, I think those things come to us, you're only born again one time, but there comes times in our life where we lose our song nation of Israel sat by the rivers of Babylon and wept. And they said, sing us a song. And they said, how can we sing the Lord's song? We're in a strange land. So We, we find that place sometimes in our life where, the, where we let the enemy steal things from us. We don't have to live there. God specializes in new. So you talk about a new creation, it may just be talking about a new beginning. You talking about a new heart, it means that you quit following the old man, that you put him off and that you put on something new. Um, you may have earned a new nick, you may have earned a new name because of something you did, and somebody's now calling you adulterer, or somebody's now calling you drug addict, or somebody's calling you listen, God can change that. He can change that again and again and again. You might not be born again but one time, but you can come back to him as often as you need to come back to him and let him change your present condition. If you need, want, any or all of those things, they're available to all of us every day in Jesus now I'm going to read this passage and I promise you I'm not going I'm not going try to preach everything that's here I just want to make some very simple points in Luke chapter 5 I just really feel led to close right here um, the, the scribes and Pharisees came to Jesus and want to know why you ain't fasting like we are why do your disciples the, the Pharisees fast and John's disciples fast two days a week why ain't y'all fasting And now in the Old Testament, there were only one prescription for a fast, and that was on the Day of Atonement. People generally fasted when they were in hard times. They would enter into a fast. But the scribes and the Pharisees and the disciples of John were fasting two times a week, and they were doing it to be seen of people. They they were doing it to be more spiritual than everybody else. And Jesus said, you can't fast while the bridegroom. Why is the bride going to fast when the bridegroom is with her? And he said, there's going to come a time when my disciples are going to fast, but it ain't now because I'm with them. But then he told these parables. In verse 36, the Bible said, He spake also a parable unto them and said, No man putteth a piece of a new garment upon an old. If otherwise, then both the new maketh a rent, and the piece that was taken out of the new agreeeth not with the old. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottle shall perish. But new wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. No man also, having drunk old wine, straightway desireth new, for he saith the old is better. Now, there have been some incredibly serious misrepresentations of that passage of Scripture, all right? There have been people that have used that to rewrite God's Word. That ain't what those, that's not what those passages mean. In fact, if you want to make a very clear, just a very specific interpretation of that, Jesus is saying to them, you trying to mix Judaism with Christianity and that ain't going to work. Now, that's the interpretation of that passage. I am bringing a new covenant, and the old covenant won't fit in the new covenant. That's the interpretation of it. But let me, give you, let me give you some application behind that. The first parable, he said old garments and new garments are incompatible. You don't use one to repair the other. You don't take an old garment that's got a hole in it and tear apart out of a new garment to sew it up nor vice versa because they're incompatible with each other. you got old cloth and new cloth. You don't take one of those to mend the other. You put off one of those and put on the other. Now, that's as simple an application as I can get or an interpretation of that that I can give you. But, but, but I think the application of that is this. You cannot add the new things that Jesus wants to give you to the old things that you're clinging to in your life. Y'all hear me? Let me say that again. If, if Jesus wants to do, and if you want Jesus to do some new things in your life, if you need a new beginning, if you need a new mercy, if you, if you, if you need another opportunity, whatever that you need that's new, if you want to be a new creation, if you want a new name, if you need a new song, you can't, you cannot take the part of your old life and just keep clinging to it and expect him to add something new to it. You got to let it go. Let it go. Let it go. It's going to rob you of that new. It's going to rob you of the new thing that he wants to do. It'll keep dragging you back. And I think a lot of people do that. They come down at the altar and they genuinely, they genuinely want a new thing. And then they go back out the door and they pick back up the old thing. It's going to tear the new away from you. The new thing that he wants to do in you means that you've got to abandon the old. Let it go. New wine isn't meant to be put in old wineskins. Now, the reason for that is A wineskin is made out of leather. If you put new wine in an old wineskin, the fermentation process is going to bust the wineskin. You're going to lose both the wineskin and the wine. You can't put new wine in an old bottle. You put new wine in a new bottle, and when the fermentation process starts, it expands the leather just like it did in the old one. Jesus wants to put some new things inside of us that changes us from the inside out. New wine requires a new vessel. If you want him to do some new things in you again, you got to lay aside that external. you got to lay aside those things that have attached themselves to your life. Let Jesus start new from the inside out, doing a new thing in your life. And the last thing is this. Old wine tastes better. Jesus said people that have been used to drinking the old wine ain't going to just lay it down easily to get new wine. But let me tell you something about old wine. (laughs) Two things are going to happen to old wine. Number one, it's going to run out. Or number two, it's going to turn to vinegar. When you expose it to any air, bacteria gets in wine, ruins it. They tried to give Jesus vinegar wine on the cross because it acted as a an anesthetic you can't live off of old wine it's going to run out you need Jesus to do something new in your life all the time but here's, the ap- here's why he said no man having drunk old wine straightway desireth the new he's talking to these people and he's like y'all caught up in the fasting right now you don't want what I've got to offer because you ain't tired of the old yet. And so here's the application. Uh, until you run out of or have had enough of the old life, you're never going to turn to Jesus for the new one. Until you run out of or just get sick of that old life, you're never going to turn to Jesus for the new one. Y'all remember the story of the prodigal son? Now he had him at ball with his daddy's inheritance. He had him a good time. He lived it up. He spent his money. He wasted it, the Bible says, on party life. And then when he had spent everything he had, hoping the hogs left him something to eat after he fed them, the Bible said this. He came to himself and said, the servants in my father's house have it better than I've got it. I'm going home. Y'all know what he did? He got tired of the hog pen. You ain't never going to get the new thing Jesus wants you to get while you're still trying to live your life in the hog pen. Until Until you get sick of the old and want the new, Jesus can't do a new thing in your life. He won't do a new thing in your life. You'll start trying to attach it to those old things and it won't work like that. Albert Einstein said insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. If you want some new things, then you've got to do some new things. And part of that new thing is that you just got to lay your life down at Jesus' feet and say, take it and do something new in me. Give me a new beginning. Give me some new mercies. Do a new work in me. Give me new opportunities to serve you in ways that I never have before. And I I just believe that the God who specializes in new things will do that for anybody that's in this room this morning or do it for the church as a whole this morning. I want God to do some new things in my life. Amen. Let's stand. Lord, thank you for your word. I know it's been simple, been to the point. I'm grateful for the work that you're doing around this world right now. I've, I've read reports even this morning of revivals breaking out in the Philippines and in Nicaragua and other places around the planet where all of a sudden it seems that the Spirit of God that the heavens have been rendered and that the Spirit of God is coming down and moving mightily among your people stirring them up. Lord I know there are going to be there are going to be churches that are changed, there are going to be cities that are changed, there's going to be entire countries that come under the influence of your Spirit and, and be changed. I, I really believe that the founding of our nation was because you began to stir mightily in the hearts of men you had them craving a new thing. You had them craving a, a new birth of freedom. You had them craving spirit and truth worship, not, not legalism, not Judaism, not, not that bondage that they were under. And so, Lord, I, I want you to do a new thing here. Do a new thing in my life. Do a new thing in each of our lives. Do a new thing in this church. Do a new thing in this community. Do a new thing in this country that we live in. Lord, we invite you right now. I'm I'm tired of the old. I'm tired of the old. I don't want to cling to it anymore. I want you to do something fresh. Something new. Make a way in the wilderness. Make springs in the desert. Pour something in us this morning that we can't contain. Pour something in us this morning that we can pour out on all the people that are around us. Help help us leave here this morning with a new song about a new work that you've done. Help us right now to lay down the old cloth. Put aside the old wine skins. Pour something new in us. A freshness that changes us from the inside out. And we'll praise you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen as we sing this morning do you need to come do you want to come they say this mountain can't be moved they say these chains will never break but they don't know you like we do
1: there is power